Please be seated. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Jesus has just told his disciples a parable about a dishonest, conniving manager being called on the carpet and fire. And then a few lines later, Jesus delivers the real shocker when he says, and his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. So what just happened here? How does a story about a dishonest employee being commended by his boss make any sense? Somebody's been bad, Somebody's been caught, and now they should get what they deserve, right? That's the way the world works, and that's what we expect. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. Jesus then goes on to say to his disciples, For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Wait a minute. Is Jesus suggesting that this con man was more dedicated to his own self-preservation than the disciples were to spreading the good news of the gospel? Now Luke doesn't give us many details, so if we're going to sell this story to Hollywood, we need to use our imagination and give it some color. The master in this story was probably a wealthy absentee landowner with a luxurious lifestyle paid for by income from his country estate. He's hired a manager to run it with all of the work being done by the tenant farmers who in spite of their best efforts fall further and further behind into the master's debt because the harvests are never enough to pay the rent and keep food on the table. The manager is the one who enforces the master's rules. He collects the rent and probably skims a little off the top for himself. The manager's been comfortable in this lifestyle that his position provided and considers himself a notch above the farmers even though he knows that he is unjustly profiting from their labor. Now the master has heard rumors that the manager had been squandering his property. Again, Luke is light on details. He doesn't tell us exactly what the rumors were. Maybe it was just too many Amazon orders on the company credit card. But whatever the rumors were, the master demands an accounting and then to make things even worse for the manager. The master uttered those two feared words from the apprentice, you're fired. 
Having been fired, the manager is no longer authorized to do anything on behalf of his master. And his source of income, power, and prestige has dried up. He can't get a job in the fields because he doesn't have the strength for manual labor. He's too proud to beg, and it is unlikely that the farmers would be standing in line to take him in and provide him with food and shelter. I'm guessing that the manager realizes that the news of his firing can't be kept quiet for long, and he needs to take quick and dramatic action if he has any chance of saving his own skin. With no resources of his own, the manager devises a bold and decisive plan to use his master's resources to secure his future. Before word of his firing gets out, the manager calls in his master's debtors one by one and asks each of them, how much do you owe my master? The first one says 100 jugs of olive oil, another says 100 containers of wheat. To the first, the manager says, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 50. To the other, the manager says, take your bill and write 80. By reducing the farmer's debts to the wealthy landowner, the manager is hoping that when his firing becomes public knowledge, that the people will welcome him into their homes with open arms and provide him with food and shelter. Sounds like a good plan if it only works. Still using our imaginations, let's picture what might happen next. First, the farmers are pretty happy. They've just had their debts reduced. And secondly, the wealthy landowner is in for a big surprise on his next visit to the estate. He's probably coming to collect his money and to announce the firing of his manager. But as, as he approaches the estate, People are lined up 10 deep along the road, cheering him on and calling him a hero. Not his usual reception, so he sent one of his servants on ahead to find out what was going on. When the servant returned with the news that this raucous reception was because his ex-manager had forgiven the debts of the farmers, Master had a big problem. Does he tell all of the farmers it was a big mistake? that their debts have not been forgiven, that the manager had been fired, and that he expected their payments to be in full and on time? Or does the master take full credit for the dishonest manager's actions and continue to be a hero in the eyes of the farmers? I think it's likely that the master quickly realizes that if he rescinds the forgiveness of the debts, he could face rebellion by his people. And he would be in big trouble if he mistreats the manager. You might say the master was between a rock and a hard place on this one. It might not have been the best business decision he ever made, but he did what any prudent person would do under the circumstances. The master let the forgiveness of debts stand and even commends the manager for his shrewdness. I wonder if it's possible that the manager might even get his old job back. When faced with a crisis, the manager had used the gifts he had been given, his dishonest wealth, to protect his future. It was the manager's decisiveness, his singleness of purpose, 
that Jesus was commending when he said to his disciples, For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. This parable of the unjust manager, or sometimes called the unjust steward, might also be called the parable of the foolish master, or even the parable of the confused listener. (laughs) But whatever the title, so what? What did we just hear? Since parables never give us what we expect, No matter what it seems like, Jesus is not condoning deceit, stealing, or dishonesty. He is not suggesting that we emulate a man who clearly stole property that didn't belong to him. What I believe Jesus is saying to you and I, the confused listeners, is that we should be no less resourceful and no less focused than the dishonest manager. We should have his same decisiveness and singleness of purpose in using our own gifts to further the kingdom of God. The gifts of hope in God's justice, faith in God's peace, and trust in God's grace. In a nutshell, I think what we should take away from this parable is all about relationships, forgiveness, and grace. By choosing the people over the master, the manager's actions have been a catalyst for change in the entire community. His decisions have taken him from a dishonest scoundrel to a friend and a hero, and the wealthy landowner has become a benevolent master. The accounting that the dishonest manager was called to give, instead of being his downfall, became a starting point for a new life new relationships, and a new home. Grace was hiding in that demand for an accounting, waiting to be discovered and claimed. The accounting the manager was commanded to give was both an ending and a beginning, a death and a resurrection. Instead of being shocked by Jesus' commendation of the unjust manager, maybe we should look for precedent. Maybe we should see hope and possibility for our own commendation. After all, if crooked people are willing to go to so much trouble to be dishonest and selfish, why can't we put as much or more effort into being followers of Jesus? Into being the sons and daughters of the light and receiving our own commendation from Jesus for being welcoming, and for being forgiving. In a few minutes, like we do every week, we will pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or in some versions, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We will be reminded that we are all debtors and unjust managers and that by forgiving one another, we place a higher value on welcome than on wealth. Like the manager who was restored to community through the forgiveness and grace of his master, we need to remember that God deals with us in the same way.
God forgives our sins. God releases our debts. And God frees us from guilt. The Eucharist that we will all share this morning is a thanksgiving for the blessings of forgiveness and grace that we have received. And when we walk out these doors, if we will extend the kind of grace God shows us to everyone we come in contact with, we will all be living into the so what of this parable. The so what of relationship, forgiveness, and grace. And I think we also leave with a mandate to be as zealous as the dishonest manager in doing the work that God has given us to do. To love and serve him with gladness and singleness of heart.